You've done this sort of thing before, the cop said. The name tag pinned to his left breast said his name was Connolly. Reddick just looked at him. I remember you. You split a guy's head open with a garbage can out at Castaic Lake about six, seven months ago when I was still with the county sheriffs. Reddick couldn't believe it. Of all the LAPD uniforms to catch this call. That's got nothing to do with this, he said, now vaguely recognizing the guy. He roughed your girlfriend up or something, or was it your wife? Look, I need to know. You gonna take me in or not? My kid's gotta get home. He's dead on his feet. The cop glared at him, didn't even bother to glance over at the little five-year-old Reddick was talking about, curled up asleep on a couch nearby. He was trying to be civil, the uniform, treat Reddick like a person instead of an animal, and all Reddick could do by way of thanks was crack wise, act like he wasn't staring down the wrong end of some serious shit. Please answer my question, Mr. Reddick, the cop said. Not fucking around anymore. She was my wife, Reddick said. The boy's mother? Reddick nodded. And what did the guy do to her again? Refresh my memory. Grudgingly, still pretending he couldn't see what the earlier incident had to do with this one, Reddick obliged. Told him how he had indeed used a metal garbage can to try and crush the skull of a bearded biker with a tattooed beer belly out at Castaic Lake the previous July, before Dana had finally lost patience with him and asked him to move out. Yeah, I remember now, the uniform said. Reddick remained silent. They got into it out in the parking lot. The biker almost ran her over on his way out, and she said something to him, got his ass all bent out of shape. Reddick still didn't say anything. As I recall, though, he never actually touched her, just threatened to punch her lights out or something along those lines. That was enough. You almost killed a man, Mr. Reddick. Reddick shrugged. He said he was going to knock her teeth out. If he was just talking to hear himself speak, he picked the wrong day to do it. The cop nodded, studied him in silence for a moment. Like this kid tonight. Guess he picked the wrong night to knock your kid down, too. Reddick shrugged again, still offering no apologies. I guess so. They had just been horsing around. Three body-pierced skinheads in their late teens. White skin translucent as tissue paper. Forearms and biceps stained blue with tattoos. Pushing and shoving each other like drunken sailors. As they stood in one of two long order lines at a Glendale McDonald's just after ten on a Saturday night. Their language was blistering an endless onslaught of fuck-yous and motherfuckers that could have peeled paint from the walls. But their routine was being tolerated until one of them threw an elbow out, knocked a drink off a woman's tray as she tried to ease past. Orange soda exploded across the floor like liquid shrapnel, and the restaurant's manager finally appeared, made a brave, if 
ill-fated attempt to usher the trio out. He was a mousy-looking East Indian with a long neck and a bald, luminescent pate, and the skinhead showed him all the respect his mild appearance demanded, which was to say they laughed in his face, told him to get his black nigger ass back behind the counter before they had to put their collective foot in it. Then, just to clarify their point, the largest of the three put his hands full in the manager's chest, shoved him backward into the group of people still standing in line behind him. Reddick's son, Jake, hit the floor beneath the Indian's weight like a blindsided quarterback, the back of his head making an audible whack as it smacked off the hard linoleum. And then the big skinhead laughed. He never saw Reddick coming.